make. Luke 2.52, <clears throat> one short verse. Let's see, if you have a Bible and you're Luke 2.52, let's read it together. All right, everybody there? Luke 2.52, it's after Matthew and Mark, right before John. Luke 2.52, let's read together. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Luke 2.52. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at this simply about what Jesus was like in his younger years. Now, there are only three things that we know about Jesus for, from the time he is 12 to the time he is 30 years old. And these are the three things. That he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So the, for, for the, just the next couple, three weeks until the, the month of August... We're going to be looking at these three things, and I believe if God put in his word that there are three things that Jesus did and three things that Jesus pursued during his teenage years, I think that would be important for us to glean from also. So the first one we're going to talk today about is wisdom. We're going to talk about wisdom. So Luke 2.52, but I want to read real quick. for Because sometimes we, I think, as today as I wondered, and I... My mind went off into space and just picturing what it was like to be Jesus or like walk with Jesus as Jesus was a teenager. And can you imagine being Jesus' brother or sister as they're growing up and he who knew no sin? Like Mary would ask, who did it? James did. Just can be honest. James did it. Uh, everything that happened. You get go from school. Why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? Jesus is always doing, Jesus is always doing it right. Why, why don't you just be like Jesus? And like, I can only imagine. But when we look through at Isaiah 53, I think we have a picture of more, a picture of what Jesus was probably like as a young person and all through his life. Sometimes, especially when we watch our, our glamorous TV shows, our glamorous cartoons of Jesus walking through, and the crowds are following, and there's like a glow around Jesus, and he's just... Everything he says is like articulated perfectly and it comes out and everyone claps their hands. And I don't think that's exactly the way the Bible says it. Because in Isaiah 53, it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. So when we picture Jesus as a young person, you can almost picture Jesus as probably the young man that nobody cared for. The one that, especially, well, especially if you're always telling the truth and always making sure that everything you do is right and you're always being compared to everybody, I'm sure that would be the case. But as we look at Jesus' life, I want to look at just today, we want to look at wisdom and see why would God say that he was in wisdom? And the next week we'll talk about stature. And the week after that's going to be a camp. So the week after that we're going to talk about in favor with God and man, our social, um, our social lives. So let's look at Luke 2.52, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. It's written on your handout. It says this, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Now I know even though I'm going to clarify this, am I still going to do it? But give me a definition of wisdom that is not written down on that paper. The application of knowledge, yeah. Anybody want to add to it? Because Andrew pretty much summed it up, Kirkland style. It's the application of knowledge. <laughs> anybody else? Anybody else want to add to it? All right. Then let's finish filling our blanks. So, what is wisdom? Knowledge of what is true or right, coupled with just judgment as to action. We're going to be reading the curtain, 
the Andrew Curtin Dictionary. Wisdom, knowledge of what is true or right, coupled with just judgment as to action. Now, this is what I want you to get. This is Charles Haddon Spurgeon's quote, and I love it. The first part says, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as no knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. So, in our lives, we are accumulating knowledge. As you guys grow, I hope, as you grow up, move on to maturity, I would hope that you're accumulating knowledge. I hope that you go to school. I hope that even at home, you're accumulating knowledge. But see, where we need to look at, where we need to focus, is on transferring that knowledge to wisdom. So let's go quickly. What does wisdom look like? Joseph, in Genesis 41. So turn over to Genesis 41, 1 through 7. What does wisdom look like? I was going to take you to Solomon and cutting the baby in half, but I thought, I don't know how many of you guys' life circumstances are going to have judging between cutting the baby in half, maybe in your lunchroom. Whose Twinkie is this? We'll cut it off, cut it in half, and whoever cries, that's whose Twinkie is, and give them the, and they go back. But I, didn't, I couldn't find a good use case scenario for that story, so we're going to another. <laughs> Oh, yeah. They are bringing the Twinkie back. So let's get back to the scripture, though, before we go down a, a Twinkie rabbit trail. Genesis 41, verse 1 through 7. If you're in Genesis 41, it says, And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came out of the river seven well-favored kind, fat-fleshed, and they fed in the meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed. And stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke, and he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up one stalk, ranking good. And behold, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. As Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Skip over to verse 39. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph... For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. So I believe we know the story, but we're going to go through it anyway. Pharaoh had a dream. Seven fat cows. It's a great dream. Seven fat cows come out of a river. Seven skinny cows come out, and they eat the fat cows. He wakes up. And then they think that he actually got up and told somebody this dream. He gets up and he goes back. The Bible says he falls asleep again. Seven fat ears of corn. eat seven skinny ears of corn. Once again, he wakes up and tells somebody else this dream. That he even wants people to know that he's dreaming about fat cows and skinny cows and fat corn and skin corn. But as he's doing this, the Bible says that Joseph comes and interprets a dream. And the big thing about wisdom is, this is how simple it is. Because if most of us would think, we would have said... Wow, I know exactly what to do in this situation. So what did Joseph say in the dream? Joseph says that the fat cows are going to represent years of plenty. We're going to have all that we can do. We're going to be running over. We're going to have everything we need. Seven years, we're not going to have anything. And so this is what wisdom is. Ready? It's not that deep. Joseph says, King, I mean, Pharaoh, this is what we should do. During the seven good years... We should save a fifth portion out so that during the seven bad years, 
we'll have something to eat. And Pharaoh says, whoa, Joseph, you are a wise man. I'm going to make you a ruler. And the thing, like, as I'm reading the story and I'm reading through it over and over again today, I'm just like, you mean they didn't think of that? Like <laughs> seven bad years, we're going to have a lot. Seven, I mean, seven good years, we're going to have a lot. Seven bad years. What are we going to do during seven bad years? But this is what wisdom is. And here's where we fail. Because it is wisdom is just this simple. See, some of you have knowledge. You have the knowledge. Okay, seven bad years, seven good years. I'm going to take this knowledge and say, I better save up seven for the seven bad years. I have the knowledge. Articulating the wisdom should be no problem. Here's where we live. Some of you guys have the knowledge of what would hurt you in your life. You have the knowledge. You know there are things that you do, that you participate in, that are dangerous to you spiritually and the life that God desires you to live. See, wisdom is not some big thing. Wisdom is not me being able to say, well, in 20 years, this is my, five, my 20 year plan. This is where I want to be. Wisdom is just simply me applying knowledge. Hey, I understand that whatever kind of music is dangerous in my life. I have that knowledge. I see people that do it. Let's say we do music. Let's go something totally out of the wall. Alcohol. Hopefully none of you are alcoholics in here. If so, we'll, we'll work on that later. But, but just say right now, most of you have, and I know in my mind, family members that have problems with alcohol. See, my knowledge would say alcohol will kill you, it'll kill your family, it'll ruin your job. As Jamie said in her testimony from the guy that she met in New York, it'll cause all kinds of problems. I have that knowledge. You know what wisdom would say? Would I walk past alcohol? I don't need to partake with that. It doesn't matter what kind of party it was. If it was the best party in the world, all my friends are there. See, my knowledge is that could ruin my life. Wisdom says I'm going to apply that knowledge and say I'm never going to touch that. But see, in our lives, so many times, we have knowledge. Hey, I know that it's good to read my Bible. I know it. Well, here comes the rocket science. If I read my Bible, I live the life God wants me to do. I have the knowledge. But I don't have wisdom because I don't do it. See, when we look at our lives, sometimes we do look at our situations and we think, man, wisdom, some deep thing. And when we look at the story of Pharaoh and Joseph, <laughs> wow, that was a deep one there, Joseph. You deserve all the money and fame you're going to get for telling us to save up the seven good years and be able to use them for the seven bad years. You're a wise man. And we'd all look at that and say, okay, who couldn't have thought of that? But in our own lives, what is the knowledge that we have that we are not applying? What are the areas in our life that we know to be good, bad? What are the good things that we know to be doing that we're not? We go to New York. I know from going on the New York trip that prayer works. It was going to rain. It was forecasted to rain. It cleared up. We were able to go to parks and people got saved. I mean, I know that prayer works. I have that knowledge. But see, wisdom is me getting on my knees in the quietness of my own home. And asking God to do something in my life. Asking God to do something with me. 
So we have lots of knowledge. The Bible says the three things, the three things we know about Jesus from his teenage years to his adult years is that he increased in wisdom. Now, can I tell you, if, it, if it's important for Jesus, I probably need to be on that list. You probably need to be on that list of increasing wisdom. So what is wisdom? Practical application of knowledge. What does it look like? It looks like something as simple as Joseph. Where do we get it from? Let's look at my Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. Where does wisdom come from? For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. For the Lord giveth wisdom, the blank is the Lord, for the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. So say it out loud. Where is the first place we find wisdom? Where? The Lord. The Lord. All right. So where would I find wisdom from the Lord? Where would I find that? Thank you. The Bible. We would look in the word of God. So let me ask you this. If I desire to know how to apply knowledge, where should be the first place I should go? Here we go. Another one of those like deep theological things here. I should go to the Bible. But let me ask us, are we going to the Bible? Right now, during the summertime, you guys probably have more time than you'll probably have most of the time during school year. No, <laughs> Cody's working at United Plastics. He's not even close. But for the most part, most of you have more time. Let me ask you this. If you desire to live the life God wants you to live, do you know where to find wisdom? And that would be the word of God. And let me ask you, are you chasing after that wisdom? Once again, if it's on Jesus' list that Jesus increased in it, I think I need to. Am I going to the word of God for knowledge? See, in just a little bit, I would love to, um, I, I have a desire to do this, to have a question and answer when a youth group where you guys submit questions, whatever questions you submit, we'll teach through a couple of weeks of all those things. Because sometimes you guys ask me some really good questions that I really have to think about. And I'm like, wow, I have to really go through and search that out. And I would love to have a, a month or so where we, every Wednesday night, we pull out some questions and go through them that you guys have. And I mean, legitimate questions, but to go through. But can I tell you, if you desire knowledge and wisdom, I am here to help and I desire to. But if you have the opportunity to study it, where does it come from? If I want wisdom, out of the Lord's mouth cometh wisdom. How am, I, how am I supposed to handle these friends? How am I supposed to relate to this in life? What kind of music should I listen to? Where should I be going? What should I not be? All these things, they come from the word of God. If I don't spend time in the word of God, I can't expect to have wisdom. So where does it come from? Number one, the Lord. Number two, here's the big one. Wisdom comes from companions. Companions. The Bible says this. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Can I tell you from the Bible, your companions will bring you wisdom or make you be a fool. Now, I want you right now to think of the people that you would consider close friends. You go ahead and think of those people in your mind. I, these are people that I would consider my friends. I'm not even talking about Facebook friends. I'm talking real life 
in the flesh friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I only have two of those. <laughs> but I'm talking, I'm talking about real life friends. Now, let me ask you this without answering out loud. You don't even have to make a face when I ask you, are these people helping you pursue wisdom? Are they pushing you to be better? Do you have a friend right now that you can think of right now that says, you say, they push me to live more godly. They push me to gain more knowledge. Maybe, maybe they're not even, they're an unsaved friend, but they push you to challenge yourself. The Bible says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Now, if Jesus increased in this, can I ask you, what kind of people do you think Jesus hung out with as a young person? If the Bible says he increased in wisdom, I would have to say from the Bible, he probably hung out with wise individuals. Did he hang out with old guys with big beards and like that sit around and talk philosophy all day? No, he probably hung out with people like Joseph, who saw a situation and said, hey, we have the knowledge. All we need to do is this. And Jesus would hang out with people that had wisdom. Let me ask you, do your friends, the conversations you have, and I understand your teenagers, I understand even as an adult, I have dumb conversations sometimes. And I walk away, I'm like, wow, <laughs> I have a college education, I'm talking like that. <laughs> but let me ask you this, consistently, do you hang out with people, do you pursue after people that push you? I told you guys this many a time. The first person ever challenged me to pray for one hour straight was a friend. It wasn't an adult. There was another teenager that said at a revival, he said, hey, we need to get together. We all need to pray for one hour straight. Now I'm going to look at him. One hour straight? <laughs> Whatever. You go ahead. And he's like, no, I'm serious. He's like, I'm dead serious. We need to pray for an hour straight. And he took us back into a prayer room in our church. And he started. He's like, we're going to pray tonight. And I want you to go home. Guys, all of us as guys. And he said, I want you to pray for an hour. Can I tell you that that was probably one of the biggest challenges in my life to encourage me spiritually? Now, my friends right now, he's not serving the Lord. He's not. In fact, I don't know where he's at. But I can tell you that in that point in my life, I was glad to say I had a friend that would push me to do that. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. So how do I get wisdom? I get it straight from the Lord. Secondly, I get it from my companions. Third, this is the best one. I get it from correction. It's not really the best one. I just said it because it's funny. Correction. <laughs> the rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. So how do I get wisdom? The rod. I hope your, I hope your uh, parents are, are still having to use the rod. But if they do, I say hallelujah to it. <laughs> go ahead and give them one right around. <laughs> we'll just go ahead and uh, make sure they hear this and we'll, we'll put it up there somewhere. Just go ahead and keep using the rod. If the, you say, if my kids are too big, get a bigger rod. Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But <laughs> exactly. A child rearing class, exactly. <laughs> but, in the, but as we look at it, let me ask you this. Because this is, I would say, listen real quick. This is what would happen. I believe all of you would tell me wisdom, if I asked you, you'd say wisdom came from the Lord. If I ask you, some of you may be able to say, recite the verse, hey, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, the companion of fools shall be destroyed. You would say, you know what, my friends, they would push me to wisdom. But can I tell you that you get wisdom 
from reproof. We don't like it. We don't want mom and dad to tell us really how we ought to live our lives. But can I tell you, that's where you get wisdom from. You get wisdom when your mom and dad jump your case because you're not living the way you ought to. And you should accept that. Now, I don't know. And I was even picturing my mind because I know that Jesus did not sin. But I still would believe that Jesus did things that other children did because he was as a man. He still had he had humanity. But I don't believe it necessarily was wrong because he did no sin. But can you imagine Jesus taking reproof? Well, we have a perfect example. Jesus stayed in the temple. His parents, he's 12 years old. He's like talking with, uh, he's talking with all the scholars. Can you imagine this? A 12-year-old sitting down with the scholars, talking with them, throwing, bouncing questions off. How old are you, Micah? 13. 13? All right. So I was about to say Micah, but Micah's too old. But can you, well, even we'll still throw Micah in there anyway. Imagine Micah sitting out with a bunch of philosophers and Micah's throwing him out questions. Well, have, what do you think about this in the law? And they're like, well, I've never thought about that. So this is where Jesus is. He's, he's talking with the philosophers and the Pharisees. And his parents come back. Jesus, where in the world have you been? We've been looking all over for you. And Jesus says, I've been about my father's business. Now let me ask you, this. in your life, are you able to handle correction? Are you able to have someone look you in the face and say, you're wrong. And you need to straighten that up. Because that's where you get wisdom from. Now, the one thing I can appreciate, I appreciate a whole lot about Pastor Ferguson. Pastor Ferguson is honest. Like I, can go to, I, I went into his office the other day after the youth service. And I sat down in his chair and I said, Pastor Ferguson, what do you think about the youth service? And you know what? I know when I sit in Pastor Ferguson's office, Pastor Ferguson is not going to say, well, it was pretty swell. It was good. Don't worry about anything else. Go ahead. You're doing a good job. Keep going. Now, he didn't tell me anything negative, but I know that if I go in Pastor Ferguson's office and ask him the question, like, Pastor Ferguson, what do you think about the way I do such and such? He's going to tell me straight up, hey, Aaron, I think you need to tighten up here. I think that you need to get this done. Now, let me ask you this. If I walk in Pastor Ferguson's office and say, Pastor Ferguson, I want you to know, I want you to, your honest opinion about how I run the youth group. And I'm thinking, I'm doing an awesome job. And Pastor Ferguson says, well, <laughs> you really want to know, Aaron? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I really want to know because I think we're doing pretty good. He says, I want to see this change, this change, this change, this change, this changed. Because you need to fix those things. Now, for me to walk out of his office and say, whatever, I don't know what he's talking about. We're having a good time. I mean, we just came back from New York. I mean, this is just great. I don't understand what his problem is. And for me to walk away, what have I gained? Nothing. But for me to walk away and say, hey, that wasn't really what I wanted to hear. But I know that I need to make adjustments in my life. That's when I become what, more what God wants me to be. Because that's where I gain wisdom. I'm asking your life. Mom and dad. Hey, you're not supposed to be doing that. You know that. Well, mom, get off of me. Dad, leave me alone. Man, what's your problem? Hey, that's not how you get wisdom. That's not how you increase to becoming what God wants you to be. Because it comes from correction. Right now, my daughter and my son don't know a lot when it comes to things that they ought to do in life. Tavian, today in my office, trying to put his hand into, the, um, into my uh, power strip. You know what? He doesn't know that. You know what? I keep thumping his hand. He cries. He goes back and does it again. And I thump his hand again. 
And you know what? He's learning wisdom through correction. And can I say that you're in a stage in your life where you've got to learn to get that wisdom from correction. If you can embrace that now, if you can learn to do it now, you'll be miles ahead. You come to be an adult. Because guess what? If you treat your mom and dad, your teacher at school, like you do your boss one day, you're going to look for a new job. What's your problem? I don't have a problem. You do because you don't got a job. <laughs> like if you, treat it, if, you treat your, if you treat your boss like you do your parents, let me tell you, you won't make it. And so can I ask you from the Bible to get wisdom? Get it from the Lord. Hey, I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to increase in wisdom. I'm going to go with people that are wise. I mean, they're not always walking around talking philosophy, but I can say that they're pushing me forward spiritually. I can say that I have friends that are making me think a little bit more, think a little deeper about the word of God and not trying to just float through life. And then thirdly, get it from correction. Hey, don't do that. All right. You know, it's not what I wanted to hear, but I want to become the young person that God has for me. So I'm going to take wisdom from correction. And those three things. And the Bible says Jesus increased in wisdom. Wisdom is important. Can I say, as the Bible says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. So that's my challenge to you. Wisdom. Tonight and then next week we'll talk about stature. How Jesus grew in stature. And then later in favor with God and man and his social. So let's pray and we'll be finished. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much. For your word. God, I thank you for wisdom, Lord, that we can really, or as in James says, if we lack wisdom, we can ask of you. So, Lord, I ask that you would please help us as young people, Lord. I put myself in here, Lord, sponsors, all of us, Lord, that we would ask you for wisdom. And then, God, as we pursue that, God, that we would become the people that you want us to be. And, Lord, help us to grasp knowledge right now. But then, Lord, give me wisdom to be able to analyze and to make the wise decisions from it. Lord, I pray the same thing for every young person. God, that we would mature, Lord, as Jesus did, Lord, as you did. And we can live to be the people that you have us to be. And, Lord, that's our ultimate goal, to let this mind be in us, which was in you. So, Lord, help us. Lord, strengthen us. And Lord, once again, we just ask, give us wisdom, Lord, for the things that we need to do. We love you. And we'll give you all, all the glory and praise for everything you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.